Geekiest Show Ever, number 26, with Tim Robertson, Chad Perry, and Guy Searle. Hi, my name is Tim Robertson. I'm the host of the geekiest show ever and in studio, which we're hoping becomes a regular gig for him, Chad Perry. Hey. Chad, it's been a long time since you and I have been a regular hosts on a podcast. Yeah. It'd be cool if you can make this a regular I, There's other extenuating circumstances, but if... Dude, if you could start being on the show every week, that would be awesome. Well, I certainly miss it, especially, you know, when I listen to GSE and I hear you guys talking, I'm thinking, God, I wish I was in on that conversation. Well, you know, Chad, you are a podcast pioneer. You started podcasting right at the beginning of 2005, right when podcasting was an inf- it's, it wasn't even an infant. It was still, a, <laughs> I mean, it when was. When Tim Robertson was emailing Adam Curry for help on getting the RSS feed to work. Yeah. Yes, you were there. <laughs> I was there. And so, you know, it, there, there's a lot of history there, and I, it. I think it's great for you to be on GSC. Mm-hmm. So for those who, who've who never listened to the very old MyMac.com podcast, uh, when I was hosting that show, Chad Perry was my co-host. It was you and I yep. sitting in uh, a little studio in your house and recording the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We had news crew come over once. and yep. I mean, it, it was kind of a big deal. It was Dog, Dogs and all. Yeah. And so and that voice right there, of course, is Guy Searle, the current host of the MyMac podcast. Hey. And... One of the hosts here on the geekiest show ever. I, I love doing this show. I do too. You know that that's the thing, and I actually put theme music in. I think I'm going to keep that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the raw, just start recording, and wherever it goes, it goes. But you know, sometimes you do need a little bit of production value, right? Yeah, yeah. Put a little so on it. I put a little theme music at the beginning. But here's the thing: if someone out there is a musician, and you or or you just or, like meddling around with music. If you want to put some kind of a a theme that goes with this show, which isn't the easiest thing to do. I mean, we talk about everything <laughs> no. here. But kind of a geek theme. It could be clips of famous geeky sounds or I don't care what it is. Would uh, you mind taking your hand off of the thermonuclear device? <laughs> <laughs> you need to turn your mic down just so you're kind of I'll, screaming I'll at us here. Back away from the mic. Yeah, back away from the mic, sir. It's you have be control, a, dude. It's not. It's not my fault. It's, it's not, not my, my fault. Uh, so, we do have some sad news. Um, if you also listen to the MyMac.com podcast last week, you found out David Cohen has uh, left the building. He's no yeah. longer hosting the MyMac podcast. It's right now, anyways, guy by himself. Although that's going to change. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. I had well for. Uh, 284, which uh, should be live. It's live right now, yep. Right. Uh, I had Owen Rubin and and Mark Rudd join me. And starting for the next show, I've I've gone across the pond once again to to bring in someone new, Gazmaz, who is... Who is not a uh, uh, podcasting virgin. He he does quite a few podcasts himself. He's got stinky fingers. Yes, he does. does. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think Gazmaz would be, who knows if he's going to become the regular host. Maybe, maybe not. But he's going to be with you for the next two shows. I'm looking forward to hearing it myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, at least the next two shows. Yeah, Gaz is a a personality I really like. He's got a great broadcasting voice, and not just because he's from the U.K., but he just has that yeah. personality that I really liked. And what gave me the idea was, um, I don't know, a month ago, he did 
the listener invite, and it was just Gaz and David Cohen. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And that's what kind of gave me the idea that maybe I should contact Gaz. But beyond that, it's not just the MyMac podcast that David retired from. He also left Geekiest Show Ever. And this was the show that we created a year ago that would give us the opportunity to talk about all the things that we talked about before and after recording the MyMac podcast. Right. And it was just Guy and David and myself just talking about everything. Shooting the breeze. Yeah, and and we decided to turn it into a podcast. Now, this is kind of the spiritual successor to – to a show that Guy and Chad and I oh, did yeah. back in two th- – no, it was four episodes, was four? actually. Yeah, it was actually four episodes called Dung Boulders, horrible name. Mm-hmm. Um, we blame you for that, Chad. We, we think I you're did, the – I did pick it, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I thought I, I was accurate in my <laughs> was, blame. Which, which, part, which part did you pick, the dung or the bowling? Both of them. Both of them. just okay. sit and roll around crap. So. Yeah, so it worked. <laughs> but I think Geekiest Show Ever works a little better. Yeah, definitely. But the premise is still the same. Now, the difference is with – the Dung Boulders, we were trying to squeeze in around the MyMac schedule, whereas yeah. uh, Geekiest Show Ever has a regular schedule. Every other mm-hmm. Thursday, we record this show, and that's what we're doing right now, obviously. Um, so let's talk about the topic, Chad, that you kind of came up with. I like the idea, and Guy has another topic, which we will touch on later. <laughs> or do you want to start with Guy's We topic. can start. Let's start with Guy's. Yeah. Guy's, what okay. was your, your big idea? Uh, well, my idea was to talk about the, the the different kinds of rites of passage as you uh, as you know you you're born and and you go on from there and there there are certain events that happen in your life that that kind of d- define the age that you are like you know when you when you first start going to elementary school you're six years old you know that that's a, a rite of passage you're you're leaving the home or when you get your driver's license at you know at the age of sixteen or whatever. When you get your first real job, when you first quit, when you quit your first real job to go someplace else, you know those kinds of things. Guy, I have to be honest with you. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Your email said something about why Linux isn't doing so good, and now you you're talking about them. yeah. Oh, <laughs> what you? Ah, you didn't That's tell the me. only one I knew. <laughs> I was thinking you're going to talk about losing your virginity to a, a Linux computer or something. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> No, I want to know where you're going now. (laughs) Now you've got my interest up. You got to continue. (laughs) Well, it's a rite of passage. This is David Cohen. (laughs) (laughs) It it has to do with it. With we know you're listening, David. A certain medical procedure that I had earlier in the week that was my, you know, because I'm almost fifty now. I'll be fifty this year, and. Uh, this was my, my my rite of passage, I guess, into seniorhood. And I I don't want to say exactly what the procedure was, but it. Are you clean, <laughs> top to bottom? <laughs> it, yeah. The the actual name of the procedure rhymes with that famous German philosopher, uh, Roland Colostomy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I'm I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't fun at all. No. And so instead of going into details about that, <laughs> gee, yeah, okay. Well, let's talk about Linux instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, oh, in, in your email, you said that we should talk about I have why. An ice cream yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's not ice cream, and if you ate it, that's probably a bad thing. Um, why Linux hasn't taken off? Um, I, just on a guess, 
because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've, I've I've played around with with a couple of different distros. Um, I used Destro I from GI Joe. Distros, oh, dis- okay. distributions. Oh, I thought you were talking about GI uh, Joe for a minute. Yeah, I, you know, I, I tried Ubuntu, both the the PowerPC version boom, 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 and uh, the Intel the Intel version. I also mm-hmm. tried uh, Yellow Dog Linux back in the day. Oh. Yeah, and um, uh, what was the it? Third might one? be the names. Mint. Yellow it, Dog Linux, Red Ubuntu, Red Hat. Yeah, they're yeah, retarded well, or something. Well, part I mean, part of the problem that Linux has is that there's it sucks. There's well, no. the The kernel itself is is actually you know it's very clean, very fast, and and you know OS crazy though, dude. OS ten OS ten is is crazy. somewhat similar greasy? to it. They, they both the kind of have the original recipe. It's greasy. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this topic is getting extra crispy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think we should go with this. Yeah, go for it, guy. No. Every time I try, you guys are cutting me off. Please. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you don't. It's all for the entertainment of the people guy. Well, I don't okay. I don't think it has a lot of traction because it's not how people use computers anymore. No. Well, I, I, I kind of disagree with that. Um, you know, they've all gone to a, a graphic user interface just like Windows and just like the Mac. Well, look, I can pause Guy right when he's talking, and I bet he's still... I- Oh, why are you cutting me off? Oh, I'm sorry. Did that? Why? I didn't mean to do that. You just cut you cut me no. off at the knees again. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. You son of a bitch! I hit the wrong button. <laughs> oh, what were you trying? Oh, oh, I did it again. <laughs> I hate when that happens. So, oh, you still there? Chance, stop doing that. That's rude. I pushed a button. He pushed a button. So, what we were talking about, Linux? <laughs> <laughs> Now Guy's not talking to us. Everyone listening is going, wow, they're really messing with Guy. <laughs> it's a new I'm hope. S- <laughs> <laughs> See the MyMac podcast number 284 to understand that. Yes, too. go up to MyMac.com, look at the podcast number 284, and you'll understand the inside joke. Okay, now you, di- now you disagree with my statement that it's not how people use computers anymore. Oh, no. did I? You did. <laughs> or did you? Or did I? <laughs> Oh, oh my God! So I don't even remember what the hell I was saying. Now you got me all all flustered. You know what happens when you become a senior citizen, there, Sonny? <laughs> Get off my lawn. Uh huh. So Linux has a GUI interface. Then there's a couple of different types. The problem is there's there's just way way too many distributions, and they can't get third-party traction from either hardware or software. I mean, let's face it, most of the drivers that that you end up getting if you're if you're running Linux are not coming from the various manufacturers that that make, you know, the the individual mm-hmm. bits and pieces of whatever type. But you know, you realize what the underlying problem is though. Well, not that it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a home brewed at this point cobbled together only really good for um, distribution as far as acting as a web server. the The people that use it at home are not regular computer users. They're Uber geeks, mm-hmm. and they, which is also part of the problem. Absolutely, absolutely, and and no business is truly behind it. Now, there's a few that actually distribute Linux on PCs. But it's such a small, minute part of their business. It's it doesn't right. even sh- show up on on. Oh, gas! Sorry, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
it, it's it's just it's this irrelevant. This is the way the show's going to go. Folks, Microsoft so with Windows, with Microsoft with Windows Seven, and, and Apple with Mac OS Ten has left Linux so far in the dust, and the entire paradigm of computing is changing, and Linux has no place in it. You mm-hmm. look at the iPad. Well, well now see uh, a, a a variation of Linux could work very, very well. But who's, who's going to be in charge of it? The reason the iPad is going to work is because it's built upon uh, commonality, right? Yes. And ease of use. And yes. with the consumer in mind, well, Linux doesn't have any of that. And no one company is going to take control of Linux. Number one, by its very openness, no one could really implement it and, and know that it's going to be a secure computing environment in that – you can always buy this software for it and it's going to work or this mm-hmm. peripheral and it's going to work. No, because it's Linux and you're going to get the uber geeks out there constantly releasing stuff for it, mm-hmm. messing it all up. That's why Apple took the track that they did. It's a closed system. It works this way. It's going to get better over time, of mm-hmm. course, just like the iPhone did. Yes. Um, and it's for da-da, the consumer because right. the consumer or businesses, those are the two things that are buying computers. Mm-hmm. The, the uber geeks that we all remember from the 80s and the 90s and part of the last decade, the 2000s, they, they're so small and insignificant no, anymore that whatever their buying decision is, is irrelevant nowadays. They don't even show up on mm-hmm. the dotted line. They, they, nobody well, cares about them anymore. Now, at, at the same time, you know, taking, taking, taking that kind of shifting it around, there's – there's many, many devices that we use every single day and with, that has, you know, they're embedded devices. It, it has an operating system that, that's running all of its things. And usually it's some form of Linux that's or running Unix. it. In, or, or Unix. But, but the people that are, that are writing the OS for these devices are, are typically using Linux. And, you know, we're talking things as, as common as microwave ovens and DVRs and, you know, I mean, all, all these little devices. So it, it's not necessarily that, that somebody has to take Linux and, you know, run with it on, on a tablet. They very well could do that the, the, where, where the, the, the problem lies in it getting any traction is – Kind of the same problem that Apple had with the original iPhone is, you know, they were saying, okay, well, people make web apps for it. Well, that didn't go anywhere. So the next thing they said was, okay, you know, we're going to release an SDK. You can go ahead and make apps that will run natively on the phone and not rely on all this other stuff. That was always in the plans, by the way. Oh, I'm sure it was. But there's, there's no reason why this couldn't be done with Linux as well. I mean, I'm anticipating, you know, depending on how well the, the iPad does, and I think it's going to do very, very well. Um, I'm anticipating seeing Windows Mobile Seven tablets, and I'm, I'm anticipating already out there, Android guy. tablets. Well, well, not Windows Seven. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But are they? You know, no, I've they suck. Never even heard of them. They suck. Well, I'm not. Well, I'm not saying HP Windows... just made a big splash. Okay. Uh, about yeah, their Windows that, Seven. That, that's that's full Windows Seven. I'm, talk, I'm sorry, I should have said Windows Seven Mobile. Well, that's that, not a really a platform for. Uh, the, the problem it is who's be. going to make those devices? Whoever. Well, HP has one coming out, and it's full Windows 7 with a touch interface. And it's going to fail spectacularly. Yeah, because they're missing the point of devices like this. People right. don't necessarily want it's not a, a full, full OS with all right. the, the headaches and all the security stuff that you have to deal with. And and this isn't a slam on Windows. If you're, if you're running OS 10 
on a computer, you should be thinking about security as well. But the whole point about the iPhone and the whole point about the iPad is that these are devices that, because it's a, it's a closed system, as you said, you don't necessarily have to worry as much right. about, about security because Apple or Microsoft or, or whoever it is that, that's creating the OS and the environment that these programs are running in has set it up in such a way that as a closed system, you can't have something from the outside coming in and you know messing up the works. Now, that seems to be part of the problem that a lot of people have with the iPhone and they have with you know the upcoming release of the iPad is in that turn this is turning into an Apple show. Yeah, let's get off of the subject because I'm bored already. I'm playing with paper here. Yes. <laughs> but there's there's no but basically you know just boil it down to this. There's no reason why somebody couldn't come out with a version of Linux that would work very, very well on a tablet and have a similar type closed system that Apple uses and be very successful at it. Absolutely except they suck. So, anyways, um, <laughs> look, Roland, um, Roland Ostomy. So, Chad, that, that your was, that idea. Was the, that was the guy's name. Your idea for a, a subject I thought was kind of entertaining. Okay. And, it, you know, I think this was a subject that we could actually come back to many times over the coming months and years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is. Guy in a paper <laughs> gown. <laughs> Yeah, no. All right, I'm maybe that leave. won't work. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to. Uh, favorite sci-fi type novels. Yeah, uh, or comic books because yeah, know, that covers it, it too. That's been either translated into a movie or ones you would like to see. Yeah. Um. You came up with the subject, so I'm going to let you go first. Which one do you think was either really good, really bad? Or that you would like to see done? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. Um, I've read a lot of series books lately. I mean, I just finished uh, Kim Stanley Robinson's Red Mars, Blue Mars, Green Mars, and the Martian series. And uh-huh. I when does that jo- take place? When does that take place? No, where? When, he, when he's reading it, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Rolling. Oh us. yeah. Well, yeah. On Mars, guy. Okay. <laughs> Which. I you know I enjoyed the books enough to to finish reading them, but you know my problem was that I just couldn't connect with any of the characters, and, and maybe because the characters the way he wrote them, there was there were very human characters. There wasn't a real strong heroic element yeah. in any of them, and so you know I'm thinking you know that's that's a series that has a lot of traction, has a lot of followers, has a lot of readers. I don't know why nobody has picked it up to make it into a series. Partially probably because of just technology. You know, yeah, the, you know, the, I don't know if it's technology because I mean, look what James Cameron just did. True, but that being yeah, for, said, yeah, but that also cost four hundred million dollars. Yes, but because he pioneered all this, mm-hmm. it's it's only going to get cheaper and, and less expensive True, right. and more affordable. But yeah, fi- well, if it'll be uh, Final Cut, Final Cut Nine with, uh, with yeah, three D and avatars. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. I don't know the series myself, but mm-hmm. when you said that there's no real one centralized character that you can identify a root for, mm-hmm. you kind of need that in a movie. Otherwise, you have Phantom Menace where it's just a mess. There's no central anything. You don't, you can't identify with anybody in the movie. Or, or, or you have Jar Jar Binks. Well, or you have Grey's Anatomy. I mean, you run it like a soap opera or you run it like a series where, mm-hmm. you know, the book, I mean, obviously there's three books in the trilogy. There are a lot of characters in the books. You could run it like that, but I just don't know. Would it work or not? Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know. I, it, it's definitely an interesting thought. What do you think, Guy? Do you have any 
favorites out there? Yeah, there's a there's a book. It won a Hugo Award uh, quite a number of years ago by an author by the name of Joe Halderman called The Forever War. Oh yeah, I read that book. And it's it's a fantastic book. You know, the basic premise is you've got this guy who's drafted into the army to go and fight in space against this group of aliens that they're calling Torons simply because they have no other idea of what to call them. Mm-hmm. And the way that these ships that they're on work, the closer they get to the speed of light, the slower that time moves for the people that are within the ship. And of so course, relativity. The fast so relativity. Re- yeah, exactly. So it can be decades between battles for these guys. And most of the, most of the people that go out on these ships don't survive. They, almost all of them die and they have like a six year sign up. And the, what the, the way they describe it is basically take a gun Put four shells in it in a six-shell gun or, you know, a six-round gun. Pull the trigger six times, and if you manage not to paste your brains on the opposite wall, hooray, you've gotten out of the army. And because so many people die in these battles, this guy who really doesn't want to have anything to do with this keeps advancing in rank. And it's you know, and it's got all this other stuff in it. There's a there's a, a love story involved, and he ends up he ends up becoming the commander of this entire, you know, huge regiment. We well, don't want to give away the ending here. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. But it's now over like a thousand years since his involvement in the war began. And he thinks back to when, you know, he was first starting out and how much he just totally despised his commanding officer. And so much time has passed that the people that are that are in his regiment have had to learn to speak English the way that he speaks it. And uh, basically, at this point, everyone is also a homosexual. And he starts, starts to think about this. He says, how would I feel if I had to learn a new language from my commanding officer and I considered him a sexual deviant? Yeah, that would make a movie, all right. No, no, believe me, the story, the story is, is, is great. Well, I think the other thing that guys leave out of the story is is the impact of returning. So even if you go out on a mission, by, and the, time you, by the time you come back, it's been 40 years later. Yeah, so your parents are dead, and your your high school sweetheart's 40 years older than you at this point. Yep. Yeah, that is a concept I like. Um, so what's it called again? The it's called The Forever War. War by Joe Halderman. Might have to check that out. Uh, mine is actually a series of books. Uh, by uh, Harry Turtledove. Oh, I love him. And it's called World War. And the basic premise is this. It's World War II. The Germans are rolling across Europe and aliens invade. Now, it took a long time for the aliens to get here. When they sent their probes, yeah. Earth was basically in the medieval times. Now, the technology yeah, like for... Like hunter, hunter-gatherers kind of thing. Well, no, like knights in shining armor. Yeah. So the aliens spend, you know, hundreds of years to get here. They don't have faster-than-light starships. And yet, the technology, this, this reptilian race advances very, very, very slowly. So while they are ahead of where we are currently in World War II, their weaponry is basically late 20th century. So they have laser-guided missiles and, you know, mm-hmm. what we have right now, basically, right. against World War II. The, the difference is they only have what they brought with them. Mm-hmm. 
whereas they were expecting to fight knights in shining armor and just exactly. decimate them. World War II is going on, and the Industrial Revolution has happened. Mm-hmm. So they're completely unprepared for what's going on. <clears throat> and there's a lot of political stuff going on. There's a lot of characterization. Um, the aliens are addicted to um, ginger. Mm-hmm. It's basically like cocaine for them. They even get a sniff of it, and they just want to have more. Mm-hmm. Um it's almost like an aphrodisiac. Uh, it's it's more than that. They they literally get really really hooked on it. Hooked on it. I mean, like crack addicts. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's oh, it, they just love it. Uh, it. It's a great story. It kind of fell apart in the last books or so. Last couple books. It's yeah, almost like he didn't Dove, know where to go with it. Turtle Dove has has done that before. He did a series of books based on if the South had won the Civil yeah, War. Yeah, you know, I tried to get into that, and I just. Ugh. Well, part part of his problem, and and this isn't to take away from the story itself because the story is actually pretty wonderful. Um, Which one, the South thing? Well, they both were. They were both okay. pretty good. Uh, but he has a tendency to go over the same things over and over and over. It's almost again. well, it's time travel or that alternate well, reality. Alternate history. Alternate yeah. history is is his forte. Yeah, but I think the problem is he he knows where he wants to how he wants to start it. And the big moments he wants to have through the story, I just don't think he ever wants to end them. That that seems to be my impression of his writing style. Yeah, like he just well, doesn't the, know the, where to stop. The the South winning the Civil War, I think, took up like six or seven books. And yeah. you know how you know how big his books are. Yes. Well, the World War thing was that we're talking books. about. No, no, it was much more than that. Was it? The, was the, it more than that? The first three books was World War Two. The next three books were basically during the sixties. And then the last one or two books was current times where the humans go to their home world. So it was a number of books. I think it was yeah. nine altogether. Mm-hmm. And and what's kind of cool about these books is he weaves in real life historic. Oh, characters. absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, at one point Joseph Kennedy, who is the the father of you know John and Robert mm-hmm. Kennedy, is president of the United States. Uh, he's got Khomeini, you know, the Ayatollah Khomeini in, in one of the books. You know, he, he, he weaves in all of these real-life characters whose lives are, are nothing like what we know them to be because of the aliens arriving during World War II. That, that would have been my uh, – that would be my pick. I think that could be yeah. – it would have to be rewritten. I mean, you know, I, take the basic premise and the characters and, and what happens, but you'd really have to do a rewrite. Mm-hmm. And I would see it more as a uh, – Either a television series like a, a Lost or mm-hmm. a V, if you will. Yeah, or V. Yeah. V would be, a, I think, a, a more apt. Yeah, but you have to have a pretty big budget because there's some fantastic battles that go on. Mm-hmm. You know that when when they're having tank battles with basically like an M1 tank nowadays against mm-hmm. a brigade of uh, German Panzers. Well, the Panzers are completely outmatched, mm-hmm. except the Germans have so much better tactics, and they've been. Yeah. They've been doing this at, at this point for years. So they've got mm-hmm. the experience. They've got the tactics. Mm-hmm. They know the ground. Mm-hmm. And yet the other, the aliens have more advanced weapons. They can shoot from farther. They can go right. a lot faster. But they're not as skilled warriors. So mm-hmm. who's going to win? And it's really good how they, mm. how they play Weed that it all out. Together. Yeah. And he does a fantastic job. So I think that would make a really great series. Um, I like the time travel or the alternate history stuff. I really do. Mm-hmm. I just haven't found any that's so well done that I just can't put it down. Well, Turtle Dove, Turtle Dove does. All, I mean, that's that's almost everything that he does is yes. alternate history stuff. 
But I haven't found anybody else who's really good at that. Now, there was a book that I read in junior high called Replay. And it's really hard to find now. I actually found a copy on eBay or Amazon at one point. It was a used copy, but it looked brand new. And I read it again, mm-hmm. and it really didn't hold up. Yeah. I mean, when I read it in, like, either junior high or high school, it seemed a lot more important to me. This is the me. best mm-hmm. thing ever. And it's basically the story of it's 1980, let's just say 1985. And uh, this guy's in his, I don't know, 40s, 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's married to a, to a woman. They never had kids. He's not happy. She's not happy. And he's at work, and he has a heart attack and dies. Mm-hmm. Or at least he thinks he dies. He wakes up in his 18-year-old body with all the memories of what's to come, and he's in uh, college again. Mm-hmm. And he knows exactly what the history of the world's going to be for the next, you know, 25 years. And so the first, he goes back, and he changes his whole life. Mm-hmm. He becomes extremely rich, obviously. That wouldn't be very difficult to do if you had 25 mm-hmm. years of history ahead of you that you know exactly what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Changes his whole life, gets to the same point, dies again, comes back. Mm-hmm. Same place uh, a couple months later this time. But all the stuff that he changed the first time around mm-hmm. isn't there. It's back to the original huh. timeline. So he does it again. He changes everything again. And this keeps happening, but every time he jumps back in time, he loses a little bit of time. Hmm. So, like, the fourth time he jumps back, it's two years after his original jump. Mm-hmm. And, of course, history is always the original timeline. None right. of the ones that he changed. He has kids in one of them. Mm-hmm. Comes back, kids don't exist anymore. He's never, he, That's yeah. devastating. Mm-hmm. Do they, did they ever exist? Are they still alive yeah. in some alternate timeline? Great things to think about. And that's mm-hmm. what kind of captured me. Um I think that would really work in, as a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it would be a miniseries or anything like that. But I think that's a great story that would really work because it has some really it asks some really great philosophical questions. You know, mm-hmm. what about those kids that he just loved his children? He never had children in the original timeline. In this alternate timeline, he did have kids, but when he jumps back again, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Nobody remembers who they are. They didn't exist now, except his own memories. So do they exist somewhere? Mm-hmm. Do they not? Was it just a figment of his imagination? I, I thought that was a great concept. I won't I won't spoil the ending, but... Um, Sounds a little bit like the butterfly effect. Kind of. Yeah. A little bit. Um, but again, this was written back in the 80s, and he right. jumps back into like the 50s. Yeah. So I think he has like 30 years or something like that mm. worth of history. I will say the very end, and this really isn't giving anything away, it's like a paragraph where a kid wakes up and it's 1985 and he knows exactly what's going to happen for the next 30 years. Mm. And I thought, oh, <laughs> that's kind of cool. So he, they, he kind of left it open-ended. Yeah. But if they revamp that idea, I think that would really work currently. So that someone right now, our age, for instance, has a heart attack and we wake up and it's 1985. Mm-hmm. And you know exactly what's going to happen. That would be a great television series not that to jump back and forth in one episode but that it's he's living the whole thing again Mm -hmm. so not only would you get the nostalgia buffs that's really into the 80s and stuff Mm -hmm. um you would get the science fiction buffs that's the whole concept of going back in time i i i think it would work really well 
Yeah, we would just need to get some uh, like some teenage emo vampires in it, and you know, sell a million copies. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I almost watched that a couple times now. I keep thinking, oh, really? well, you know, I kept ragging out on the last show, and I kept thinking I probably should watch it and give it a shot, but oh, I just can't bring myself to do it. So I you ended know up. What watch- my wife showed up with this week. Well, no, what? Well, she went to, <laughs> she went to the library. And she got she got three movies. Uh, she got uh, Adventures in Elmo Land. No, she got the Twilight. The, uh, Public Enemies with Johnny Depp. Public Enemies. Oh, is that out now? Yeah. He's Danger... Uh, I almost said Danger Dillinger. Field. Dillinger. Dillinger Field. She got District 9. Oh, wow. That's a good and one. And Zombieland. Oh, oh Zombieland was great. I, I haven't seen the first one, but I've seen the second two. Zombieland was fabulous. Oh, did, I, I knew you'd love it. That, yeah. that middle part with Bill Murray was the best <laughs> part of the movie. That just made the whole I movie. Dude, you look it like Eddie, you look like Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> I saw him over there. <laughs> yeah, he's a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Um, and of course, District Nine. We've talked about that on. Yeah. Have, did you ever end up watching District Nine, guy? No, I still need to see it. Oh. I'll, I'll probably get it off iTunes. I know you keep thinking uh, it looks okay. It's better than you think. Were you surprised that it was a nominee for the Oscar? Oh no, I wasn't. Okay, I mean because it was so original. There was right. I've never seen a movie quite like that where they took the main character when that movie starts is completely despicable. Mm-hmm. You just I don't know. If I, don't, I don't think he's despicable. I think he's just kind of not likable. Well, he's kind of just like. A you know, dumbass. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like the, the dumbest, dweeziest person. Yeah. yeah. That you just, you don't, you, you don't want to see him at all. You're like, yeah. ugh, I don't like this character. But yet at the end, it's a completely different character. Mm-hmm. And you're with him the entire time. Yeah. So, I mean, it works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I like District 9 a lot. I was glad that it got the recognition that it got. It, yeah. I think it won an Academy Award for something, didn't it? Oh, boy. It was up for something. I don't remember what it was now. I don't know. Avatar not, walked away not, empty-handed, but... Did it? They didn't win anything. No. Not even special effects? I don't know. Maybe they did I think it's effects. funny, you know, because I saw Avatar and I saw The Hurt Locker, mm-hmm. and I liked Avatar more as far as just mm-hmm. sitting back and eating popcorn and enjoying yeah. it. But as an actual movie, The Hurt Locker was much better. I have not seen it yet. I still need to see it. So It's a good movie. It really yeah. is. I mean, it's this guy that... He's a bomb disposal person and soldier in Iraq mm-hmm. and uh, he, he basically has no fear or you'd think that mm-hmm. and uh, I mean there's some parts in there that you're like yeah. some really nasty looking stuff but mm-hmm. it's just really powerful I, I liked it a lot mm-hmm. a whole lot have you seen the Hurt Locker yet guy? no it's another one I haven't seen you've seen the uh, Godfather though right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just, uh, it was that was David. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hi, David Cohen. <laughs> now you got to go watch uh, Godfather Two. Don't remember you. You promised. Yeah. Um, it, it, I'm so bummed out. David won't be on the show anymore. Yeah, I know. It's maybe someday. Uh, so, do you guys have another one, Chad? You look like you're kind of thinking about one. I'm thinking about one. Um, I'm thinking about something that we may have both read, and I can't think of anything that we've both read recently. Hmm. I haven't read a lot of books recently. I've just been I, way busy. I just finished reading Ring World by Larry Nevin and Jerry Purnell. I've tried to get into Ring World a few times, and it's okay, but it's it, it's definitely it's dated. dated. Yeah, you and can tell it was written back in the seventies. That's so. that's my problem with a lot of the science fiction. I want to read something current because some of the concepts they bring in, especially with older science fiction books, uh, their their concepts of technology. 
we're already past that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I tell you who did a really good job that I thought was uh, Ian Douglas wrote like a his heritage trilogy, which is actually there's like nine books, so that's actually a, a trilogy of three trilogies. Gotcha. And the first one starts out, you know, in the near history, 2040, uh, where there's a group of basically, you know, space marines, and you know, sp- basically there's kind of a, a head between the European Union and the United States. But it's it's kind of like almost like a little Cold War, except there's some cooperation. So, you know, there's a Martian colony, and uh, what they do is they end up discovering that, that, you know, the head in Sidonia is actually a ruin of a previous civilization. And so that starts to spark some conflict. And uh, he does a good job of, like, taking technology that's very foreseeable, hmm. you know, that you can really relate to. And, of course, you know, every book is like a generation later or two generations later. So... So you see some advances. Yeah, and and of course, by the end, the technology is pretty funky. But uh, he does a really nice job of, like, taking the first three books and putting them in the near future into something that's really attainable. Right. There's nothing in there where you're like, oh, that couldn't happen. You're like, okay, yeah, I can see all this happening. Well, well, there's a question right there, and maybe that's a a subject for an entire episode in the future. But how much influence – and we'll start with you, Guy. How much influence do you think that the science fiction writers have – over the product development people, the engineers of today, because I clearly remember Jean-Luc Picard using his data pad. Yep. Yeah, that was that was the example I was going to, I was going to use. You, yeah. you look at um, now, you know, Gene Roddenberry was was pretty much, and, and let's face it, he was a hack writer. You know, there, there it, it wasn't like whatever it was he was as far as the concepts of Star Trek mm-hmm. and all the rest of that. He just got it there, on the there air. There was there was nothing new there. No, he but, got it on the air though. But he got it on the air. And you know he managed to get the right people well, to show to show a vision of the future that was so different from you know, and you have to remember I remember the '60s from from the the hard times that we were going through at that particular moment, and when you follow that through to the Reagan '80s when he came out with the Next Generation, it was the same kind of thing. You know, Gene Roddenberry said, I, you know, I want to continue, you know, this particular universe. And the best way I have to do that is to have a whole new cast. And he got together with with people that that really knew technology well. And you look at at the way that the Enterprise Bridge was laid out with all of their control panels as compared to the Enterprise from the 60s with its, you know, switches and dials and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you you look at the iPad and it's like, that's the Star Trek pad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, with the touch interface and and it it's multifunctional. It, it does it, it kind of conforms itself to whatever type of thing it is that you need to do right now. But do you think that the science fiction writers that come up with these concepts? Do you think they throw these concepts out there, and that the people that really enjoy these? Let's be honest, are engineers mm-hmm. and scientists and the people sure. who think yep. differently that jumped on the whole science fiction genre before anybody else, mm-hmm. that they see this pretend technology and they think, I could, could I really make something not just like that, obviously, but mm-hmm. what can I make that eventually, progressively will get better and will change and will morph into something like yeah. that? I think we're, as far as the data pad that Picard's reading books on and mm-hmm. getting reports on, we're there right now. At least right. we will be in April when... Yeah. The the iPad comes out, and frankly, well, and let's go back. Let's go back a little bit farther than that. The original Star Trek communicator, yeah, it cell was, phones. It was, yeah. it was it was a friggin' Motorola Razor. 
Well, it was a little clunkier than a razor, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, what we don't have is the handheld scanners that Bones could use. Although, actually, they do have some like that. Yeah, though. that, that yeah, will, you, you, you go to airports nowadays, and they've got full body scanners in some of them. That you, as you step through it, it's it's no, and, no, no. There's stuff now, guy, that doctors can literally run over your body to take different kind of readings mm-hmm. and can see broken bones and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they're prohibitively expensive for most hospitals and private practices, but that technology is starting to make their way out there. Mm-hmm. Well, um, sure. And it's amazing. And I just wonder, though, do you think a lot of these innovations are coming about because of the science fiction writers? Or do you think this is a natural progression of our technology over the last say, 75 years, that a really good science fiction writer, which, let's be honest, is really good at using his imagination, Mm -hmm. was just imagining this is probably going to happen. Why couldn't it be both? Well, that's that's the other question. Do you think it's a combination of, or do you think that the science fiction writers are just really good at kind of predicting? I think think the science fiction writers were ahead of the curve in, in many, many ways. And that the technologies that they've created for their books and movies and television shows show a natural progression in the human experience for devices that we use. And and let's face it, when you start off with most of this stuff, what is it mostly dealing with? Communications. Going from, you know, taking an idea or or a concept and moving it from from one area to another area, from one person to another person. So it's all kind of based on communications. And whether you're talking about, you know, data transfers or or text or voice or podcasts or, you know, any of these things, it all comes back to communications. What do you think, Chad? Oh, I think Guy's got a good point because, you, you know, you have science fiction writers that go the opposite way. You have some science fiction writers that actually talk to the guys that are in the industry or in the – are working with the technology to say, well, what do you think about this? Is this something that could be attainable? And they'll go, oh, yeah, you could probably do that, blah, 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 blah. You know, and then, of course, you have the, the engineers and the scientists who are inspired by the science fiction writer who says, I'd like to see this. I'm going to write it into my book. You know, you see the, these fantastical inventions of the future, a, a transporter, and you think, well, that's probably not feasible. And yet... They have made a transporter where they have transported a neutron from one location to another. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know why they created the transporter for the original Star Trek show? Because it was too expensive for the special effects to show the ship landing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, warp drive going over the speed of light. Some people still say that's an impossibility. I don't. I don't think anything's impossible when it comes to science. Um, because let's be honest, it just takes one person who's smarter, mm-hmm. who has more intelligence, that solves a problem. Yep. And that leads another person to solve a problem. And then before you know it, we have something like the iPad. Mm-hmm. Now, if you could go back in time with an iPad and show it to someone in the 80s, oh, my God, it would look like magic, mm-hmm. especially if miraculously somehow you still had Internet connectivity. <laughs> <laughs> because let's be honest, without it, it's just, mm-hmm. well, yeah, it's kind of neat. Well, you, you show it to, uh, to Gene Roddenberry in 1985. But, I mean, you know, if, or better yet, if you could take someone from, pluck them right out of 1970, Chad, and just put them in this room with us right now. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff they would completely understand, a microphone, right, headphones, 
uh, a keyboard somewhat familiar with. Mm-hmm. And but, once they stopped screaming. Yeah, and but they would look at the computer, and our computer screens are so much better than the, the TVs they had back yeah. then, yeah. let alone movie theaters and any. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally so much better, especially the laptop. And to show them that we basically have the entire knowledge of the entire world at our fingertips on the Internet, mm-hmm. which we really do at this point. Right. There's very little that you can't learn about online now. Mm-hmm. And, of course, most people just browse porn. But, <laughs> well, we squander the technology, and yeah. we, we, we don't take advantage of it to the full extent that we could. Correct. I mean, let's, let's be honest. It, you Think of anything that you could possibly want to know information about. And I bet you I'll find something within five seconds on the internet. Yeah, just a Bing. quick Google search. I mean, mm-hmm. you name anything. I, I can't even think of something I could possibly look up that I couldn't find the answer to. I mean, it's all there, mm-hmm. from trivia to how-to books to home remedies on how to cure yourself mm-hmm. to what the definition of this disease is to I, I want to learn how to speak Spanish. Boom! Mm-hmm. I don't even have to learn. I could put it in this program, and it will read it back to me in English. Mm-hmm. Or I put my English in there, and it tells me what the tra- the Spanish translation is. It's just amazing. And now we have the same power portable on stuff like mm-hmm. the iPhone, and soon the iPad, and the iPad, which is even better because it's a bigger screen. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we kind of squander it in a in a right. lot of respects. We don't really. Well, we t- we we take we take advantage of it without, you know, and basically we forget. And, we take and, it for and, granted. We don't. Yeah, leverage, we take it well, for granted. We now, don't f- leverage it to our benefit. Is what we now. What now, you saying. guys, you guys were born in, in the seventies, nineteen seventy. Okay, nineteen seventy. You're born 68. in sixty eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of this stuff for you, you know, especially coming up as from being a teenager. Is just like oh okay well now we have computers well f- for me going back another ten years because I was right at the very you know edge of the the baby boom generation it's 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 FM you know it's mm-hmm. FM magic because mm-hmm. you know when I was a kid we we didn't think about having computers at our at our fingertips no because, we didn't either though no well computers really didn't become at your fingertips until. The very end of the seventies, early eighties. Now we're 80s. still those two guys on the uh, Intel ad. Yeah, yeah. Which I which I love. I, I think it's a great commercial. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't I'm think... on a, I'm on a horse. Um, <laughs> no, not that. Not that <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I think we we kind of squander the, the the potential that we have at our fingertips. But guys, we probably need to wrap this show yep. up. Uh, we oh, got to okay. save some stuff for the next geekiest show ever. We'd yeah, really I've, I've got another great series of books we can talk about next time. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's the nice thing about this show. that yep. we don't, By the way, uh, I'm hoping to get Rick Stringer mm-hmm. uh, on on oh, the next sweet. geekiest show ever. Yep. And if Very he can make it. Uh, he's been on the uh, MyMac show back in the day. Yep. But yeah. And honest, he, was at, he was at show 100. Yeah, and, and he was in Macworld Expo a couple years ago, too. Mm-hmm. But I think that the topics that we cover on the geekiest show, which is pretty much anything, it's is much more suited his, to, yeah. to him yeah. than... Specifically about Macintosh computers or mm-hmm. Apple or anything like that. Um, personally, this is one of my favorite things to do every two weeks, guys. Uh, Guy, as always, uh, love talking to you. I miss talking to you every week on the MyMac podcast, but yeah. we still have Geekiest Show ever. Chad, I hope that you can make this, find a I way. Will, and, I will try to. Yeah, because I, 
I don't want to speak for it's Guy, but I love it. It's certainly easier now because here. you have a studio. Yeah. Oh, it's much easier. We don't have to interrupt either one of our wives. And, yeah. You know, it's just mm-hmm. I'm going to leave for a couple hours and I'll be back. Yeah. It's like seeing a movie every two weeks. Yep. Except for you get to talk about the movies. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, People don't go, shh. And it's kind of a reunion from, I would say, what, 2007. You and Guy and me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was in 2007. Yeah. Um, and plus, this way, because Guy, there's been a few instances now that Guy couldn't make the Geekiest Show ever. Mm-hmm. And if it's just me, well. You don't have a show. I don't have a show with Geekiest Show with just no, by myself. You no, can't, you can't hold GSC yeah. by yourself. No. I, I have a solo podcast that I do. It's called OWC Radio. And uh, I don't. It's a great show, by the way. Well, thank yes, you. Yes, it is. Um, I don't have the wherewithal to do a Geekiest Show ever by myself. I really don't. Because it, it wouldn't work. The, the, well, the whole point of this show is a conversation between uh, geeky subjects about, mm-hmm. uh, I don't say a group of friends because it's not always friends that we'll bring in here, although so far it has been. Mm-hmm. Um, but And that's why I wanted to bring in Rick Stringer for at least a couple episodes or, yep. or one or whenever we can get him. And I, I made an open-ended invitation yeah. because he, he just really fits in with our mentality yeah. on this stuff. And he yeah. does martial arts too. Yeah, so it'll be two against two. No and idea we'll get our kick, Chad, <laughs> that's right. Because they're both taller than us, so <laughs> that's the only reason. Yeah, but we'll have Cassius Clay and his prime on our side. That's right, and we'll go. We'll go recruit David Cohen too, and Floyd Merriweather. That's right. <laughs> so with that, for Guy and Chad, I'm Tim, and we'll see you again in two weeks.